The skies refuse to cry. Cremation takes its piece of your supply. The night is dressed like noon. A sailor spoke too soon. And China's on the dark side of the moon. Hit me now. track man that is the red hot chili peppers bringing you in with black summer there a new release from red hot chili peppers always gets me excited man what a tune so there's new red hot chili peppers um pretty exciting man this is the first track they've released um with uh, the lead guitarist john frusciante in 16 years man so anyone who's a fan of these dudes, that's massive news, man. Um, I'm certainly a big fan of them. And we've been waiting for, waiting for this album for a while. The album, I think, is released on the 1st of, uh, 1st of April, Unlimited Love. And that song there, Black Summer, is, is the single that they've released straight away. Uh, and it's also the first album back with producer Rick Rubin since 2011. So... Again, for music fans and for Red Hot Chili Pepper fans and for Rick Rubin fans, this is all very exciting stuff, man. I'm pretty pumped about that. And I like the sound of it. You can just hear those ethereal sort of uh, John Frusciante guitar riffs straight on that track straight away, man. And some, some interesting local uh, local vocalising from Anthony Kiedis there on vocals. Like um, he's kind of got a weird sort of uh, twang to his accent that you can tell he's, he's deliberately effectuating. So... Uh, it's kind of it's almost like an Irish twang to it. Some of his words and very particular the way he says his uh, the way he sings the lyrics on that. So that's something different as well. A little bit of a, a twist to the to the um, their style of music. I'm I'm super super excited about it. And they've also I, I was really reading a um, a little article on the Rolling Stones about them, which is you know music. Uh, music articles is about the only thing you can trust the Rolling Stones for. The Rolling Stone for these days, um, not the band, the Rolling Stones, the magazine, the the um, uh, the, the magazine Rolling Stone, the, the publication Rolling Stone. That's the word I was looking for. 
because they've gone super, they've lost a lot of their, their credibility lately, they've gone super sort of clickbaity on their um, stories. But music, I think we can still trust them for the most part, um, being that's, that what, that's what they started out doing. Uh, I'll get my tongue wrapped around uh, uh, this microphone correctly soon because I can hear I'm, I'm stuttering and stammering quite a bit at the moment. So do a few, uh, um, a bit of vocal acrobatics for the first couple of minutes of this damn thing and I should get pretty smooth after that. Um, this is what the band wrote in a recent article. Well, this is what was uh, dictated from the band during a recent article. Um Transcribed, that's the word See, I can't even get my damn words out Transcribed from the band Our only goal is to get lost in the music We spent thousands of hours collectively and individually Honing our craft and showing up for one another Our antenna attuned to the divine cosmos We were just so damn grateful for the opportunity to be in a room together And, once again, try to get better Days, weeks and months spent listening to each other, composing, jamming freely and arranging the fruit of those jams with great care and purpose. The sounds, rhythms, vibrations, words and melodies had us enwrapped. Well, that sounds pretty cool. Um, hopefully that's a really free-flowing kind of album that they release. It sort of sounds like it from that first taste we get on that track there. And if anybody who doesn't know the backstory with John Frusciante and the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Red Hot Chili Peppers is one of my all-time favourite bands. Um, uh, I've, they were a long-time bucket list uh, items for me, which I ticked off in 2019, I suppose. must have been before the COVID kickoff. Um, they have always been a powerhouse in the music scene since it's like the late 70s they started so they've been around for a very long time they sort of came up made prominence in the in the 80s and then into the 90s um but even though they were always a good band they 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 didn't they didn't really be transcend into becoming this epic epic um beloved you know generational band that they are now Without John Frusciante, he first played for the band in Blood, Sex, Sugar, Magic, um, you know, like Under the Bridge. Everybody knows that song. And then disappeared for a little while because he didn't want to be a part of a band that was so big and with all the moving parts and the fame and all the trappings that go along with that. And then they got him back on board for the release, 2000s release, California, uh, yeah, Californication, which is the biggest album, their biggest album to date. And he stuck around, did, did a couple more albums after that with them. They did, uh, I think, By The Way was the next album. And then he did uh, Stadium Arcadium in, 2000 and, in 2006. And then disappeared uh, for ages. Disappeared for ages. And, and, you know, he did some solo stuff. And, again, just didn't want to be involved in a band that was so big and, and everything that goes on with that. And then they finally get him back again later in the in their careers. They're in their 50s now to do this um, this new, this latest album, uh, Unlimited Love. And and straight out the gate sounds bloody beautiful, That those guitar riffs are his, man. So I'm excited for the album. Bloody excited. Uh, that... Uh, that concert I went to in 2019, even though it was a bucket list out, uh, item for me, I was a little bit disappointed for several different reasons. One, it was the first time I really uh, had to admit to myself that I have like sort of some form of social anxiety in large groups like that. Um, we were at, I think it was at the NIB Stadium and wasn't very well separated, the mosh pit at all, like it was pretty just like one big mass of people down in the standing area and hadn't been to a big size, a large size um, gig like that for years. 
uh, and like being squashed in the middle of that many people, I was so uncomfortable, like super, just my anxiety levels were through the roof. I'm not a typically like anxious person. I'm pretty chilled, um, relaxed and confident kind of thing. But there's something about those large groups of people. And then I traced that right the way back to like my behavior as a younger man in large uh, group settings like that. Uh, where I was quite often pretty out of like my 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 behaviour was pretty out of control, get like super aggressive and you know sometimes violent and stuff like that when I was a young man and f- like fired off really easy in those situations or sometimes I could even be a little bit of a uh, troublemaker like um, I, I hesitate to say it like that I'm never the top, there was never the type of dude that would initiate like start trouble with somebody for no reason but i was definitely was rowdy for sure and was definitely ready for any of that trouble if it if it bubbled up and i was ready to pop off at an instant and now i think about that as an older dude looking back that was all probably well definitely was like um defense mechanism sort of um behavior because i was kind of wanting to make sure if anything was going to kick off i was going to be uh at the forefront of it, ready for it, not a victim of it, I suppose. And then now as a, and a, a, as I laid into my 30s and I'm a full-blown dad and everything and I'm just not into that kind of um, scene, like getting into in, involved in any sort of drama like that, it's like I felt like, oh, this is awkward. I, don't, uh, I felt like I had no tools to deal with a large crowd like that because I never grew up just dealing with them like a normal person. I always had that sort of yeah, – the crew that I used to run with when we were young were pretty like rough crew and always like I said things would kick off quite often and it was just par for the course and that's probably why I acted out off you know uh, preemptorily mm-hmm. that's a how do you say that I acted out in a preemptive manner <laughs> a lot of the time to probably um, yeah to probably mitigate those feelings of anxiety I had in large, in large crowds and. I've tried to avoid them for ages as I got into my 20s and there's people, friends, girlfriend, whatever. Like everyone always wanted to be in those situations, big festivals, dance, like like dance concerts or whatever the hell you call them. You know, um, I just nightclubs and shit. I just never, never did well. Like so I used to get super drunk and or fucked up and then go into those situations kind of just as a bomb ready to explode, I suppose, as, as a defense mechanism. That's probably the best way to put it. And now as an older man, well, I've got no intention of getting any, in, in, in any drama. I was like, oh, this is super uncomfortable. Didn't really enjoy being in there. So that was a bit of a, de- a downer to me. And then coupled with the fact that the, the chili peppers themselves – uh, played like must have been like twenty minutes in the middle of the set, all new stuff. So they ha- they released an album like maybe four or five years ago that wasn't great. Like it just wasn't good, you know. And I don't know any of the songs off that album. Um, no one really does. And they played like twenty minutes worth of new stuff in the middle, and then you had to line up for like ten, fifteen minutes for a drink or the toilet or both. I think I went to the toilet and got a drink in the middle when they were playing all those songs and didn't miss anything. It was just too much of a slump. Like, you know, those guys like that, you want to hear the, all the, the hits, man, the favourites. You know, you can mix some of your shitty new stuff in throughout your catalogue, your back catalogue, but it can't be a big chunk like that, which was a pretty amateur like move for a band who are as established as the Chili's and have been around that long. Um, but that's what they did. And so it was a little bit of a letdown, that whole experience to me. To me. But I guess you can't win them all. I've, I've hit a few bucket list items um, in my time. I did M&M. 
um, 2013, which was fee bloody nominal. Um, done Metallica twice, standing once, um, uh, mosh pit once, sorry, and and just at the back chilling one another time. Um, that was pretty. That was a pretty big, um, big ticket item for me as well. Uh, but yeah, you can't win them all, man. So, but Chili Peppers, super excited about that new album, and um, yeah, man, I obviously have a special place in my heart for them. I thought I'd make the start of this podcast a little bit of a um, a bit of a review, like I used to do back in the day, back in the day, um, and then I haven't done it for a while. So there we go, bit of a bit of a review on the new track. Like it, I like those, uh, like I said, those dreamy ethereal sort of uh, um, guitar lines. Some interesting work from from Anthony Kiedis on vocals and everything else, sounding super chili pepperish. So hopefully that album's good. And with that vibe that they described in that article I read from, um, sounds like they're just in there having fun and then putting that fun meticulously to work into some um, some pretty cool songs. And with Rick Rubin at the helm. Tying it all together should be bloody awesome. Uh, moving on, I finally have confirmation that my new laptop is in the mail heading this way, and I ordered my new uh, I ordered a new laptop on the 9th of January through eBay, and just got completely stitched up. Um, it was exactly what I was looking for. It was a MacBook 16 inch, and um, I already had 32 gigabytes of um, of memory on it, which you, you, they come like 16 standard, and then you have to upgrade from there. Uh, it was a pretty good price, about a thousand bucks cheaper than anything else in that range because it was second hand. It was 2019 or, or 2020 model, so it was like 18 months old, I think. Um, it all seemed legit, man. Like it didn't seem like a ridiculously good deal, and the and the ad seemed to check out. And then just just no no communication from the seller whatsoever. Paid the three and a half grand, paid the money, and then just got nothing back from him. And the way eBay's claim process works, you got to wait until the due date that you were supposed to arrive. It was supposed to arrive before you can uh, you can actually put a complaint in. So I had to wait till that was like the 24th of January. I had to wait till the 24th to come and go till then I could put in a claim and say, hey, this is not, uh, I can't get hold of old mate. This thing's not coming. They step in and contact the seller for you. They give them like a week to reply. So then it was the 31st of January. By the time they go, okay, he hasn't replied. And then they, and then they finally kick off their the action from their side of the claims process. And to be fair, once they actually stepped in, it was super easy. They just said, yeah, we can see what's going on here. Um, we'll refund all your money, including the um, uh, shipping and everything. So that all got, you know, uh, returned, refunded to me. And it was sort of in my bank by Friday the 4th. So, you know, within that, the week of them saying, yep, yeah, we'll, we'll do something about it. I had the money back. And then jumped back online. I've been doing some research in the background and, Got a brand new, bought a brand new laptop through Catch of the Day um, instead of going directly through Apple because their shipping was like two weeks faster. They were going to ship automatically and Apple said they ship within two weeks. I'm like, I want this damn thing. So I, I bought this on Saturday night, paid for it Sunday. They've already sent me an email saying the damn thing's in the mail. It'll get here. It's only got 16 gigabytes of RAM of memory. So I've got to get the Blues computers in town, um, the computer tech up there on Edgar Street in the plaza there. Um, she's going to upgrade the memory for me, double that up, so I get the 32 gig that I was originally originally looking for, and she's going to do that for like 260 bucks or something like that. Whereas to get it done through uh, Apple is like th- uh, 600 bucks straight out the gate. So happy with her price, and um, yeah, it's hopefully that works out for the best this time round. Sip of my beverage. 
Um, yeah, so once that comes through, I've been waiting, man. I've been waiting to do some Zoom podcasts. I've got another one teed up with a, a return uh, podcast alumni who I'll mention or, or you know, I'll, I'll announce that when it comes out. Um, I did one with Dr. Matty Moore recently, and even though we pulled it off, it was super shady from my end with the internet connection and then the speed of the laptop and the the, the image, uh, the, the actual, you know, my camera. i got a cracked camera and, and screen at the moment. So the whole thing was a little bit shady and a bit slow and a lot of, a lot of um, lag. I'm hoping that a new laptop sorts that out. I can do some more Zoom um, podcasts with better results. And then obviously the, the video editing that I've been hanging to get into for the last six months or so, should finally start getting that pieced together and start practicing my, my chops um, at video editing, editing this year. Getting out, getting some good footage, whether it be the SUP board, diving, out camping, you know, I'll, I'll do this video, uh, like the reveal of, the, of the, the, the new truck of the ute when I'm down there. Um, I'll, talk about that, I'll talk about that in a minute, but I'll, I'll do a reveal video of the new canopy um, because I noticed one thing when, when looking for uh, uh, online for these um, canopy review videos, there was only a handful of really detailed ones and it's something that you can go to their website and see all their photos and galleries and all that and go on Instagram and see a lot of pictures as well, but it's not quite the same as having somebody walk you through the canopy, open things up, you, you know, watch them using it, talk about what they like about the, the product, if there's anything they would change, price, give people an idea of price point. Because um, I, I researched this shit for like eight months or something flat out trying to get a good idea of what I wanted to spend my $40,000 on, basically, when, when all said and done. Um, and, and some nice detailed video um, of that, you know, process and, and of, of the, the product at the at the end really helped went along would go a long way so I'm gonna do one of those you know uh, end up being like a 15 minute video if I, if I could do it right and stick one of those up online uh, on YouTube and hopefully that can help other people out making their decisions moving forward making the big decision to put a canopy on their ute so um yeah, and like I said, that that's that car. My ute's down there in Perth now, getting the canopy. Well, it's, it won't be getting the canopy installed as of until Monday, Tuesday. I think that's when that that happens. It went on the car on Tuesday, just gone the first of Feb. Went on the truck, goes down there. Old mate from Swank Fabrication. He's he's putting the canopy on for me, and they Norweld is the canopy I'm getting. Uh, Norweld have just opened up a shed down in Perth. The reason I opted to go with Swank, who was their original preferred um, installer over in WA, is because he only does a 79 series now, typically, but um, he's going to cut a window in for me, an event on top, and he's organised my GVM upgrade, um, all that. He's doing all that for me, so I was happy to, to leave the car in the in the capable hands of Swank, and I've since found out through, actually through the guy that picked the, the ute up and took it down on the truck, that this guy, John from Swank Fabrications, they design like um, the PMG and PMB, uh, Perth Motor Bodies, uh, like the, the ute trays for a lot of um, to Toyotas over in WA, and they do like a lot of custom work with like custom seats and trim and um, interior work on, on people's on, on specialized vehicles and all that sort of shit they do a lot of that kind of stuff so like really capable um, fabrication joint in Malaga there down in Perth so I'm pretty pretty confident and happy to send my ute down to him and pay a little bit extra for him to do the work and, and, and organize those extra things for me as well so I don't have to do that 
Then I'll, I'll cruise down. I'll fly down the weekend after, Sunday the 13th, um, watch the UFC with a mate of mine, and then go pick the ute up on the Monday, install the fridge and and canopy, and then take it to the, the auto sparky on the Tuesday to, to hook up the battery system, pick it up Wednesday evening. Um, I have one day left on my clock and then I'll um, jump in the ute and drive the damn thing back up to Port Edland so I'm pretty excited about that whole thing I'm going to take I've got the swag in the car I'm going to take the swag with me back up to, to Port Edland from Perth pull up at a mate's house in Carnarvon and roll the swag out on the roof rack there and, and have a bit of a camp out um, yeah in my own little rig and just yeah test a few of the, the, the bits and pieces out um, on it so that'll be pretty good fun um, yeah that UFC UFC on Sunday the 13th is um, the Kiwi versus Aussie. Um, Izzy, Stylebender, the middleweight champion, is fighting Robert Whittaker, ex-middleweight champion. He took Izzy took the belt off Whittaker a few years back, and Whittaker's then had a bit of time off, then came back in, and he's been on a complete undefeated streak since losing that belt, and looked really, really good, really technical. Um, so I'm super excited for this fight. Uh, everybody who... who knows Robert Whitaker and has followed his journey, knows that, excuse me, knows that um, he didn't quite fight the way he should have uh, the first in their first encounter. He came out really reckless, um, looked like he wasn't comfortable and didn't really want to be there. There were some behind-the-scenes things that came out about Whitaker after that fight, like he had burnout. He, he was burnt out. He wasn't really enjoying it at the time. Um, he definitely wasn't mentally prepared for that fight. And and he fought a, a weird, reckless fight, which isn't how he normally fights. He's got great footwork. He's super technical, really smart, fight IQ. Uh, and Stolbender is a master of striking, distance, timing, um, setting up tricks, all that kind of stuff. So you really have to be on top of your game 100% to compete with him. Um, though he did have a brawl, his fight before the first Whitaker fight against Kelvin Gastelum, and Kelvin Gastelum, who's a wrestler who can punch, that's simplifying it. That's his base. He's a wrestler who, who's who's good, good, who's got good boxing. He kind of went in and just threw bombs and made it a real dirty brawl. And even though he got beaten unanimously, he, he looked pretty good in that fight. It looked like Izzy is not not quite in trouble, but was in some difficult spots a couple of times in that fight, a few times in that fight. And it seemed like Robert Whitaker took that strategy. So that looks like it could do. It worked reasonably well. That's the most trouble we've seen Izzy in anyway, and brought that to his game plan and just came in and was real messy, dirty, jumping in, looping hooks and and making it real dirty. And I guess the idea was not to let Izzy get set and set traps and and make it a technical fight. Uh, it did not work. Izzy just got out the way, got out the way, picked his shots, picked him off, dropped him in the first round, knocked him out in the second round. Really easy, easy night's work for him. And has gone on to become undefeated as a middleweight champion. He has lost a fight uh, challenging the light heavyweight champion um, last year, which was a weird fight. He didn't put on any weight. He came in basically weighing lower than the – he just didn't cut weight for middleweight, so he came in weighing less than 205 weight um, limit. And Jan Blackowitz, who was the light heavyweight champ at the time, was huge. He would have cut down from 220 down to 205 and went in there and was real sort of uh, uh, weary of Izzy for the first couple of rounds and then started to get closer and close the distance and put him on his back and kind of wore him down, just a much larger man. So it was a 
was a fizzle out. It was a bad decision in the end, but he still retains his middleweight uh, belt. Came back to middleweight and has defended a, a couple of times since then. So he really is undefeated. He's, he's looking to, towards becoming one of the best middleweights uh, on earth. He would be by now already, except for a man named Anderson Silva, who I'm sure you've heard of. So he's well on his way to being one of the best middleweights of all time. And um, it's a super, super interesting fight. And I really believe that it's going to be a different fight this time around. I'm a little bit torn because I love both these guys. I've followed their careers. I'm a fan of both of them. Probably more so a fan of Whitaker though. Um, but it's kind of like one of those situations where is he such an exciting fighter and there's so many options for him if he keeps winning. And like I said, on his way to becoming one of the great middleweights of all time, that you, you, I don't want Robert to win to lose. I want Robert to win. I want I for, I for sure want Robert to win. But then I don't want Izzy to lose. So it's a tricky situation you're in. When you've got two fa- uh, favourites like that fighting each other, someone's got to lose. Um, as Whatever happens, I just hope it's a really good technical competitive fight um, with some good action. Both men get each other's respect because I know Izzy walked away from the first one without much respect for Whitaker. Um, I hope both men can earn each other's respect in there and, and may the best man win, I suppose. I don't really know where Whitaker goes after this if he doesn't win. If he doesn't beat Izzy now, I'm not sure what he's going to do. Um, I doubt he's going to want to build his way back up through the middleweight middle middleweight ranks. Again, it's pretty hectic that. So, who knows? We'll see what happens after this. But I'm um, super excited about that fight, and I'm going to be down in Perth. Going to find a good sports bar somewhere. Probably have to wear a bloody mask on my face. I'm going to catch up with a good mate of mine who I haven't seen in a while. Who's been going through some rough times. Um, catch up and spend some spend the day with him. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be bloody uh, a bloody ripper, rip snorter. Um, so yeah, Izzy versus Bobby Knuckles, UFC, whatever number that is on, um, February the 13th, really, really, um, exciting fight that one. What else we've got going on, man, as far as media, uh, goes, um, oh, don't know, I've been hot and cold on TV shows lately, eh, trying to find something nice and you know, t- t- consistent to watch during the weeks. So I've sort of been watching, um, an Australian show on binge at the moment, which has been pretty good because they're like 20 minute, 25 minute episodes. So I can watch one or two and not blow the whole night out. Like if you're watching, watching an hour long TV series and you get hooked on the, the end of it, like Yellowstone, and you want to watch the next one, you know, if it's nine o'clock or nine thirty and, and it finishes and you're like, Oh no, I want to watch another one. You blow your night out, go to 10, 10 30, bloody ruin it, mate. Just ruin things. When, you get, when the alarm goes off at 10 to 4 the next morning, you've got to be in bed before 10 o'clock, mate. This is just the way life is. So there's a good little-sized little um, Australian show. I can watch one or two of those and not, not blow the sleep bank out. And um, it's pretty cool, man. It's, it's about a dude, Mr. In-Between. He's a, he's a career criminal. Like a, it was his ex-military. He's like a hitman kind of debt collector, kind of small job type guy. Gets people just pay him to go do their dirty work for him, for them. Um, but he's also a cool guy, real charismatic, quite quite cruisy, calm. He's a dad, you know, and he's a he's a good mate to people that he's mates with and stuff. It's a kind of good. That's why he's Mister In Between, you know. It's a good. Um, he's got a good balance there of, of psycho and kind of cool, charismatic frontman for the show. And it's cool because he, he he's got this intense face, but he doesn't have. He's not a built guy. He's kind of got a little bit of a pot and just normal rounded shoulders and, and you wouldn't think much of him at all. When I first saw the show, I was like, this dude doesn't really look like he's going to be able to play this part well. But he does play it well. The violence is very believable. 
Um, he, he uses the tactic of extreme violence at the drop of a hat, so which is a tactic that people who uh, um, are very successful with violence employ quite often. They don't talk or a lot of rubbish. They don't give you any notice that you're about to be involved in a violent situation. It's just extreme violence very, very quickly with no warning. And he looks like he can move. You know, he does, you see him hitting the bag a fair bit. He, he looks like he can throw punches pretty quick and sharp. So when he's in these scenes, even though he's not physically imposing, you're like, no, no, I can buy this guy as a hard, as a hard man. Um, he's just got the right mentality for it. He, he's He's quoted as saying quite often, you know, the old, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. And he embodies that that really well. So it's very believable. You're watching this dude and then he's just so cool and casual and then bang, violence straight away. And, and, it's, and it's very believable violence. So um, if you're into that sort of thing, Mr. Inbetween, I highly recommend it. It's good storylines as well, good characters, good character development, good Aussie humour. I don't know if I mentioned that. It was an Australian show. Good Aussie humour and Aussie banter in it. Definitely recommend that one. Um, excuse me. The Ozarks has just um, wrapped up, but I think it's a, I think it's a two-parter. So it's season four, which we had to wait for two years for it to come out because of bloody COVID. But it's like season four, part one. So part two, you'd hope they don't wait a full year to release that. Maybe middle of the year, they might release part two because it was only seven episodes. So you should get another seven episodes midway through the year, which is a nice way to break it up because this whole one whole year between between these TV series that you get hooked on is is brutal, man. So long. So long to wait. So like Yellowstone's just finished a couple of months ago or a month ago. That's that's I've got to wait a whole another bloody year to start watching the next season of that, man. It's intense. Um, so Ozarks was all right. It was pretty good. There's a few other ones. Oh, The Wheel of Time. I was harping on about that last year. Harping on about it. And and oh, it kind of – I'm not sure if I've spoke about it on the podcast. It hit really good when it first came out. The, the scenes were great. The, 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 the actual – the special effects and the and – the, the costumes and the look of the characters was all really good, all, all, all happy with all that. And then we knew they were going to deviate from the from the story uh, a bit. And for anybody who doesn't know what The Wheel of Time is, it's like one of the greatest fantasy books ever written. It's like a 13-part. I think there's 16 books all up, but the main story is like a 13-part epic um, fantasy tale. The guy mastered the fantasy realm, you know. Um, his writing was brilliant. He, he, he had a background in linguistics and, histo- and he was a historian and uh, he was like a – um, a meddling um, vet, war veteran as well. So he had all this experience to draw on to build these worlds and these characters and these different languages and cultures and these, you know, like uh, the life in the military and all that kind of stuff. It all came together really well and he had a thousand different little plots, not a thousand probably, probably he had, you know, 50 different plots going on at one time and tied them all back in together at different parts, at uh, different times during the course of the story. Really good character development, heaps of characters, like 30 characters, probably more, probably 40 characters and like 20 main characters who are like really big parts of it. There might even be more than 40 characters. There's a lot of them, man, if you wrote them out in a list, a lot of them. Um, Really, really good, great book. It was going to be the next best thing, you know, the next Game of Thrones for people to look at and, and, and just people who are massive fans of this book have been so excited about it. Started out well, started deviating from the story a fair bit, but we were like, it doesn't really matter as long as the main gist of the story goes in the right direction. And then the last sort of three, four episodes, they just fucked everything up. They went 
completely off script, not just script, but off off task. They took the book somewhere it never was supposed to go and it wasn't better than the original and it was unnecessary. So they made changes that didn't need to be made to, for a screen adaption. And it's like this this arrogance of the writers, of the, the, the writers on these TV series, these sitcoms or, yeah, not sitcoms, these TV series, the arrogance of them to think that they're a better writer than someone like Robert Jordan, like literally widely considered the best fantasy writer of all time. And these no-name dudes who, who write scripts for TV series, who have you know, they're talented, sure, they can do a good job at what they do, but they're not some of the greatest writers of all time. And, and to think that they know better than someone like Robert Jordan and change fundamental parts of the story for seemingly no gain is so frustrating to watch. So they fucked it up at the end of the first season and now have to wait, again, a whole year to see the second season come out and see if they can redeem themselves or if they're too arrogant to listen to any uh, to a, a, any um, criticism and think they just know better. It's quite frustrating to see a story that you love so much in the hands of people who seem to be just just disrespectful of the of the fact that of what they're dealing with and, and of the you know the ideas of the the audience who who've loved this book for it's like it started in 1993. People have a lot of time invested in this story. You can't just fuck it up. You know, you can't just change it all. Um, there's, you've got one of the greatest stories of all time written in front of you. Make a few adaptions and cut a few characters out and simplify the plot a bit so it fits into a TV series a bit more neatly and, and just go with the main story that's already been written for you. Like, there's, there's just changing major things. So it's, it's a, bit, a bit stressful to see that happening. But anyway, again, another year. I've got to wait until, until we get back on board with that one and see if they can fucking redeem themselves in the second series season. And that one's on Amazon Prime if you're if you're interested. Um, speaking of struggling, um, writers struggling to pull things off, and this town is struggling at the moment as well. It, if you yeah, people who are living locally here could could attest to that. It's um yeah, this we're running out of people to do shit like. Sports clubs are struggling, and there's certain sports you're not going to. They're not going to be going ahead this year. And cafes are restricted hours, and some of them are closing down. Pubs are closing down. The piers shut now because there's not enough, um, uh, not enough staff to run it. Bottle shops, the but the Port Hedland bottle shop's been closed the last few days. Not enough staff to run it. You know, due to vaccine mandates. Uh, the Port Pools is closing down. Not enough people to run that. They just spent a couple of million dollars doing that bloody thing up. Um, struggling in the construction industry to get the right people to do the jobs as well. It's just there's a real pinch on people at the moment, and especially in those lower ranked, not ranked, but lower paid jobs, um, first ones to suffer, especially volunteer work. Anything volunteer driven in this town is just fucking on a nosedive uh, at the moment. Massive nosedive trajectory. And we're, we're feeling the strain from the border closures, you know, if, and it just feels insane at this point what's going on. It, it, all the jokes, all the memes, the collective, seems like the collective narrative, like the collective mind of Australia and definitely West Australia as a whole, like everyone's just like, what is this Muppet doing? Uh, good luck finding any sizable amount of fucking uh, uh, um, support for Mark McGowan at the moment. I mean, WA just had police kicking down the door of a catholic church over the over the last weekend to to to, to enforce mask mandates during the middle of a, a, a church service uh shit is out of fucking out of control man and um 
Meantime, meanwhile, the United Kingdom has, has opened up completely, got rid of all COVID-19 restrictions, just listened to its people, listened to its populace who said, fuck your mandates, fuck your restrictions, we're over it, we want to get back to our fucking our life again. And they're up and running, mate. They're, they're often doing it, dealing with the fucking struggles of COVID-19 as a country together, as it comes, without their fucking government telling them what they can and can't do. So annoying, our government... Never, and especially WA, never really gave us a chance to fucking respond to this as a community, as a country, as a state. Uh, they told us what we would do, told us how we would do it, told us what we could and can't do, and they never gave us a chance to fucking, here's what we suggest, here's what we need you guys to do to chip in and help out. Fucking, could you do this? To, you know, they never, they never gave us that opportunity. They fucking mandated everything. They told us what we would do, and they didn't listen to their people, and they're still dragging their fucking heels on this thing. The vaccines don't work. People in fucking uh, Israel who have had the fourth shot and are wearing masks and they've got restrictions and lockdowns, they're still getting fucking, re- they, you know, they're, they're over the peak now, but they getting record cases of fucking of omicron all through the whole bloody thing no no matter how many people they had like 80 90 percent fucking quadruple vaccinated population didn't make a lick of difference uh, and, and they just don't fucking listen to us mate you know we've got this convoy to canberra at the moment uh, which is copied from a, a trucky convoy over in uh canada where fifty thousand people stormed the capital over there and we've got you know i don't know how many people but several thousand storming canberra currently right now as we speak waiting for the second and third and fourth waves of people to rock up from other states around the country trying to make their voice heard mainstream media not even covering this you wouldn't have heard about this unless you've been actively looking at uh, independent media sources on your own and you or someone shared something to you to your facebook feed or something but these people are out there cars trucks families whatever they're all out there outside of parliament house in canberra trying to let the, get their voice uh, let their voice be known cops are there walking around issuing out fines for illegally parked vehicles and shit like that and i mean the cops Rep has been really damaged through this entire through this entire uh, um, fucking, especially the last six months, four, five, six months when the riots and well, the protests, really, not riots, when the protests have all started, peaceful protests, people doing protesting the right way, the cops have just started coming down really heavily handed, um, enforcing mandates, closing down places where they've got too many people inside or people are dancing at venues and shit like that. Like just, I mean... I'm 100% sure that's not what the police force are for, to to enforce mandates, government-imposed government mandates. They're there to enforce the law, you know. It's, it's fucking disgusting. And like I said, their rep has been, like, you know, really badly damaged because of this. Um, just before I move on, what, what does rep stand for? You, you get a bad rep. I feel like that's really obvious, and that word, the 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 word that that's shortened for, has just escaped me. Is it a representation? You got a bad rep. He's got a good rep. That seems like I'm having a brain freeze. That seems super obvious. Rep. You got a bad rep. What's the what's the fucking what's the full word there? Rep's not a word on its own. Is it? Rep. You can get like reps for like for companies. You're, if you're like a rep, you're you like oh, you're an alcohol rep or something. You're a represent you're a representative, right? So rep stands for your your rep. What does rep stand for? It was it. Am I am I retarded? Rep, bad rep. 
good or bad. I'm sure someone there is, is, if it is as obvious as I think it is, I'm sure someone is listening to this just screaming at the fucking stereo going, fucking it's this, you bloody drongo. Is that representation? Representative. That's weird. Complete mind blank on what the word rep stands for or is rep its own word? Um, don't know. I won't Google it. I feel like it's too obvious. Um, okay. There you go. You're listening to a man who doesn't even fucking know what the word rep means or stands for. So you've wasted the last half an hour of your life, haven't you? <laughs> haven't you? Fucking hell. Might as well have listened to me fucking. I should have just filmed myself sitting on the couch, fucking in my underpants, drooling on myself. It would have been about as fucking, uh, about as, um, Productive to listen to is me sitting here bumble over my words and trying to figure out what rep means. Look, anyway, I'm going to get out of here on that note. I'm clearly losing my mind and my marbles have spilt all over the floor. I've got to go pick them up. Uh, I hope it was all right for you. It was a fill-in podcast, to be honest. It was a last minute that I had to dodge up, you know, frigging in, in 15, 20 minutes before I started recording because I did have a guest drop out on me this weekend twice won't mention any names, but um, yeah, left me hanging last night uh, and then friggin' uh, we were going to reconvene today and then left me hanging again today. So I thought I'd throw one together quickly and sort of touch bases and try and put that together later on during the week. Um, but so I, I, I hope I, I didn't, yeah, boy, I ramble on too much. It was just thrown together um, some, some thoughts that I had bubbling around at the forefront of my head because I was really looking forward to this chat. Um, which we will do eventually as well because he's a mate of mine and I was and can talk as well the dude I won't say any names we'll just put it together when it happens but um, can talk so I was really looking to a good free chat kind of podcast where I didn't have to write any notes down because I've always got this sort of notes that I refer back to to keep the conversation going so I was looking forward to not having any notes I knew what I wanted to speak about basically and I knew he had some things he wanted to speak about as well so I was looking forward to just opening it up and just chatting without having to refer to any notes and I was pretty sure we'd be able to go for a good hour um, without without losing any sort of steam. Um, so I was I was looking forward to that. We will put it together at another time. I hope today was all right as a throw together for you. Um, and look, I appreciate people, the, their time and your energy. As I say all the time now, please go click on the subscribe button on YouTube. Follow me on Instagram. I think you can follow this on podcast on Spotify as well if that's where you listen to them. Uh, and yeah, I just, yeah, uh, appreciate your time, appreciate your, your, your listening and, and following along and, um, yeah, we'll be back at ya. It won't be next weekend cause I'm flying down to Perth, but sometime might be before then during the week, I might put one together, get that released and, uh, yeah, you'll be hearing the dulcet tones of the average man once again. All righto. All right. Take it easy guys. I'm going to get out of here now. Shit's getting weird. Peace out. Uh, I'll speak to you all later. See ya.